This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Critical Hit of Maker Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and checking us out this week. Kevin, last time. Oh, you wrapped up a very fantastic game. Oh, well, I'm glad you thought so. Um, yeah, what what'd you guys think? It was very enjoyable. Hey. It was it was soul crushingly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, because the thing the things oh. that you were doing were just like so many levels it's like oh cool adventure game and also hey social commentary and also everything's on fire and it was just wonderful yeah i, yeah, I, I did, worried I, about, I did appreciate that yeah no i was saying i did appreciate a lot of that uh social commentary and inside business stuff that uh people in the know know and the people that don't just uh still enjoyed the adventure so yeah, i will never forgive you for the episodes with the jabubnins however <laughs> so I love I, the episodes with the jabubnets. I am forever scarred by my times in call centers, and you just like, I mean, ugh. yeah, just raw. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, hurt, I am yeah. a I am a project manager by trade. Now, I haven't had a meeting as bad as the jabubnet meetings, but I have. They're sometimes pretty bad. Um, so a good buddy of mine, uh, he. You know, his job, he's like in logistics. Um, and uh, I know he does a bunch of corporate meetings. So we just sat and brainstormed like things to say for, I don't know, an hour together. And that's where that uh, episode came from. And I realized I'm just going to talk and say absolutely nothing. The yeah. Oof, yeah. I'm, uh, it's impressive. It is. And, and you know, that, my that's my job. Hell. Oh God! You have no idea how I've had that meeting. I have had that meeting where the general manager is in there, and he feels like he needs to circle back on everything. <sighs> yeah, I, at a at a pretty high level with drifters, you know. Uh, originally, I was thinking this would be kind of Firefly esque, but it definitely turned into more like Futurama, and that's great. I love Futurama. Futurama is <laughs> hilarious. Um, but. Uh, I, I was a little concerned about striking the tonal balance um, because it's weird, right? I want it to be, I want it to be fun. Like I literally want you guys to have fun and the podcast kind of comes out of that. I figure if we're having fun, people like to listen to it, but like, I, I didn't want it to be a big downer, but I did want there to have some sort of bite to it. Right. Like if it's not about anything, I don't know. That just wasn't doing it for me at the time. Um, so making it both fun and funny, but also like kind of scathing and have some commentary was, was the goal anyway. Yeah. I think you did a great job at it. Yeah. It was remarkable. I I felt like it worked well for the times. I mean, I know when we signed you up for this, it wasn't, we weren't living through as interesting times as we wound up being, uh, this being like a, pandemic game but uh but i think like having a little bit of bite and absurdity worked pretty well for the absurd times we were living through does anybody you guys- even do you remember the date of our first recording 
I can look and see. Let's because, see. I mean, time means nothing to me anymore. It's it's the 375th of March, 2019. Oh, oh we are well past that. We're at like the 975th of March, 2019. Yeah, well, I got to drink March that. So, I don't know why you guys stopped in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I was truly happy. So, <laughs> as I'm looking in my archives, the first release of Drifters was uh, Critical Hit number 578, Season 1, Episode 1. That came out on November 14th, 2020. Now, uh, let me see if I can go back and find the actual probably recorded recording. Earlier. Yeah. Uh, let me see. What did I say? 578? Yes. I do. Oh, let's see. I don't think I have it on my local drive. I think that's been. That's backed fine. up to a uh, other drive, but I do know that 588 was January 29th, 2001. So, uh, yeah, somewhere probably, probably, or I, I seem to recall September, October of 2020 for some reason. That sounds, yeah, that sounds right. Like a number. <laughs> yeah, that, it was dark times for the rebellion then. Um, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, it, it was. Let us laugh at it. I really appreciated uh, running this. Thank you guys for for trusting me enough to just bring me on as a GM, like having never been on the the show before. That was pretty cool. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of work, Rodrigo. I have no idea how you did this for for years and years and years. Oh my goodness! It knocked um, twenty years off his life. I'm sure of it. Well, you know how uh, you know how you like got it like in your soul and you were like, I want to say something and I want to express it through this game. Yeah. Um, I had that, but it was mostly how much these guys annoy me. <laughs> um, so I just, I just, I just tortured them for 10 years and we, that's how I kept warm. Hurtful. <laughs> I, I thought we were bros, man. <laughs> Um, what was uh, 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 so? Let's go around really quick. Uh, Sam, what was your favorite uh, part of this entire Drifter story? Oh man, I think Muckrakers was really good. I think it just was such a great yeah. encapsulation of like the themes of the show. Um, it, it's got to be somewhere between either that or the um, the episode where we met Aeon Souljet in his horrible palace of horrors of uh, being his very nice apartment, but like just the. Uh, just everything about it made my skin crawl. Yeah, I think I, I, I would agree. I think the Eon Souljet part was, you know, it's when the villain finally reveals everything, you know, and spells it out for everyone, even though it's it's somewhat cryptic. I, I really like that part in any kind of, of story. So I think that was my favorite favorite moments. But I think outside of the story plot elements, I think one of the things that I really liked was uh, Rob's character Amu always wanting to collect all these new creatures that we would either <laughs> run into or battle, oh. <laughs> and then and then you, Kevin, allowing that to happen, and then making that an integral part of protecting the <laughs> ship or coming in at the last minute to rescue the heroes, you know, or help out with the heroes. I think that stuff was really great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wasn't got, expecting that at all. It was shot. super fun. <laughs> yeah. Herman, a crate fiend, which I definitely designed to just be a random encounter because I thought, hey, this is cool. It can be a, it's a, it's a thing that can be a stowaway on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, who who other than the DM part? saw exactly what I was going to do with that? 
Mm. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I think uh, anyone who's played time. with you. Yeah, Rob, <laughs> Rob likes pets. Yeah. Rob, I mean, what was I your like favorite too, So I was, I was. Happy. Uh, I'm, I kind of with you on that one. Like, just Kevin actually allowing me to collect as many different pets as I could physically find. Yeah, nice. Well, like, not expecting like, you to try to keep the gremlins and be like, no, we're going to oh, train yeah. you and weaponize you. I thought like those things were so mean, like they were so like annoying. I just assumed you guys would get rid of them, but like, nope. You're like, nope. They they they. Join the menagerie. Join the team. No, no. Like, okay, help every, just how they are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All Avo's entire goal for joining Drifters was to make more friends. I think. I think when we when we started feeling like feeling out the world and seeing that the world, you know, I mean, you're right. It, it's like fun and action packed and stuff, but also very oppressive and very, um, you know like sort of money and result oriented or whatever, I think it kind of galvanized us as the players as like, we're not going to be that, right? Yeah. We we have to become the opposite of that. So it was like, Definitely yeah. Sometimes where we had to, oh, sorry. Yeah. Surrender to that, like with the creative being horribly evil. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, so yeah, it's like, okay, well, yeah, that, this is just what the gremlins are like. So we, you know, there's probably a place for them in this, uh, in this ship too. This crazy, crazy world. I love the ship being a ship of of outcasts, and you know, this obviously, you know, it, it it's a trope, but it's a trope for a reason of like yeah. kind of mm-hmm. found family and people who aren't fitting family. in with a world. But as you say, Rodrigo, like when the world's really bleak and dark and not friendly necessarily. At least there are, there are large parts of it that aren't then it right. makes more sense for you guys to kind of band together. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we pitched uh, Hecubina and Bangy, uh, I think my word was actually like, I want them to be like the positive version of bullies. Like, <laughs> like they will aggressively like build you up. Yeah. They're like, you should do this. Oh my God, you're so good at this. Why haven't you been doing this all along? Gas you up. <laughs> That's funny. What was your favorite? Yeah, I really liked the yeah, team Rodrigo, what was your favorite? Yeah, that worked uh, out really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, my favorite part—I—I—I I, I enjoyed so much of this game, but my favorite part actually was a lot of like the actual like uh, mechanical expression of things uh, when we were in. You know, it's like we did—I think three races, and each one was very different. And mechanically, there were like different things that we had to do in order to accomplish things. It. Um, as a caster, there are spells that don't have a lot of use in, I think, in a lot of campaigns, especially very fighty-fighty campaigns, but because there were often sort of these, like, side objectives um, in so many of the, the fighting episodes, uh, you know, as, a, as an example, uh, me being able to use uh, Disguise um, to, to circumvent some amount of damage... Um, that was, that's not, it's there because there, uh, because, uh, Kevin's a, a permissive game master, but also because he set up an encounter where like killing every single zombie wasn't the point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where there are like goals and there are, um, yeah, there are things in the way that you can use the mechanical expression of your character to overcome or to get around. 
Yeah. Uh, Matthew, what about you? What was the, what was the favorite part of yours? Um, uh, the favorite part of the game ever, or the favorite part of the game that was yours? Because I, I still feel like when Vengi was in the cage, and and I decided that Beastie Mode would be funny. Uh, maybe the point was where I was good. just like, I can't. It was A plus work. I cannot top this. I'm just going to coast for the rest of the. Sh- That's not true. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I feel like for me, the best part of it was just how much fun it is to see Sam and Rodrigo playing off each other at a level of gaming where everybody is just like, oh, we're doing that? Okay. I mean, the team co-captain thing in game was really uh, a lot, at least from my perspective, of our interactions as well, because they gave us a really strong lead to bounce off of, and everybody got to be, you know, I'm a combat hamster. I'm a ball with a camera on top. Hi, I'm the hologram from Red Dwarf. And, you know, we all got to do our cool things, and then we had that strong leadership, and they were just as much of weirdos as everybody else. I feel like, you know, it really came together. I don't know, and I love Critical Hit. I've always loved Critical Hit. I don't know if we've had a cast that is this much fun in this many different ways in any of our previous game systems. And we've done some great stuff. I thought from, from my perspective, not knowing exactly how everyone was going to, you know, fit in and having to, you know, I played with Rico, I was really impressed with just to congratulate you guys, but like, seriously, you know, it's six players, which is a lot. Six players plus DM, so seven total people at the table. Um, I thought the team co-captain thing was really cool because inherently, once there's team co-captains, like no one's really in charge. Um, yeah. It's just kind of, it's almost like a joke, but uh, but it was nice because you know you guys could get prod people along or you know have an idea or something like that. But like seriously, all of you guys, I I, I was really impressed with how everything worked. You seem to. You know, for for a new system, everybody was was pretty proficient, and that's actually the side point. What matters more is like you knew how to. There's a couple of things I really like about this crew. You knew how to narratively like pass the ball around um, and not hog the ball, but also like you know kind of let somebody else like shine for a moment, which is great. Um, and then uh, maybe something that comes from you know, being part of a podcast. And I, I will say like, I almost want to take this. This is something I want to take out of this for my own home games. You know, I love it playing games in general and chilling and chatting with my friends and all of that good stuff. But I loved how, you know, you can do that for a little bit on critical hit, but you can't go on a 20 minute diatribe. Like you have to sure. get back to the point, you know, and people, you know, we show up and we show up on time. Like, yeah, of course, there's scheduling. We have to work that out. Sometimes we cancel games here and there. But, like, by and large, like, people came and they came ready and they came ready to play. And I really love that. Sorry, yeah, I went ahead and took my turn. <laughs> it's, a, it's a professional game. It's your, it's your game, man. You get to take your turn. Yeah. You get six turns because <laughs> you have six arms. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Brian, you are kind of the, the quietest, both in the player and a and character wise, but I think you were also the most versatile of everyone, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a good um, benefit of being the operative as 
yeah, you can be pretty much good at pretty much any skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> combat wise, they have like a pretty particular niche of you know doing stealthy or you know weird acrobatic attacks or something. But <laughs> yeah, what was, yeah. what was your favorite part of the game? I mean, <laughs> I was good. I really enjoyed the uh, Quentin Quint Inside Out uh, hmm. storyline. Uh, some crazy stuff. A lot of fun references there. Uh, you know, I like the nods to other games that got mentioned and <laughs> just yeah. all sorts of ridiculousness. That was that was yeah. great. That, yeah, that definitely, yeah. I, I, I definitely praise for Kevin that he just goes for it. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's like it's like. We're gonna, we're gonna incredible voyage this yeah. mother. I was like, all right, I bet, I guess we are. Let's go. I've got a, <laughs> a couple of emails where he pitches this to me, and I swear to God, my first thought was, oh, s word. He is biting off so much here, <laughs> and I'm like. I, man, I'm game, and I know that the team is up for it. And I'm just like, if you pull this off, holy moly! And you pulled it off with a plum. I really appreciated that. Although I'm really mad that it took almost three months for me to get you to say my name is, so I could respond with, "It doesn't matter what your name is." I think I spent yeah. half an episode trying to get you to say that during the volleyball <laughs> game, and you oh. wouldn't. You knew what I was doing. <laughs> So I waited until you forgot. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> I, had, got well, it. I, mean, I wasn't going to walk away from that. That had to be done. It was a moral imperative. What no, I, appre- I appreciate you Go being ahead. open to that, uh, Matthew, because, you know, obviously that puts th- that there was a lot going on there. And I, I, it, you were you were very willing to, you know, have fun and be, you know, poke fun at. But like in a in a collaborative way where it's like, OK, we're inside a character's mind. What is that going to be like? And right. so, uh, yeah, thanks for that, because, you know, there's a lot you you were kind of the star of the show there for a bit. Well, and it never felt mean spirited, even, you know, when Stephen was being mean spirited. It was in. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It was in when you were taking shots at me during you that. You mean when everybody was taking shots at you during that? Yes, but I've known you for 35 years and I forgive them. I mean, we knew each other when we were 18, Stephen. It says no, and, and you Matthew know it does about Stephen. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. But, um, yeah, it so, never felt like it was pointed. And I really appreciated that even when you were doing things that were clearly you know, let's let's poke a little fun at the underlying, you know, I mean, pieces of the character. It never felt mean, and I like that. The the real smart thing about it is that, um, like, Quentin's also a robot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in in Wreck It Ralph, they start out making fun of video games, but then they go to like Chocolate World, and then they have a bunch of candy jokes. <laughs> like that's kind of what it felt like because it's like, yeah, we could make fun about you know being inside his brain, but also he's a robot, so there's all of these like like beep boop beep robot jokes and and mm-hmm. like you know old peripherals jokes that we can make mm-hmm. um, so it 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 really it really worked out pretty well yeah so what did you guys think of of starfinder this is obviously it's it's kind of based on on the pathfinder system set in space uh but it i will say that we made it up to level 8 and we did a lot of things that you can find in Starfinder, but I've got uh, the core rule book and the pilot book and I think one or two other books uh, from this system. And it feels like we barely scratched the surface 
of Starfinder, yeah. Kevin. It, is that, I mean, I didn't want you to throw everything in it, but it's like I'm flipping sure. through some of these pages and like, oh, this is a thing that you can do in, in Starfinder. I did not know that. And, you know, it's, uh, it, so it's a, of, go ahead. Yeah. One of the ideas I had going to, into this, believe it or not, this would be, I would say, probably one of my least mechanical games I've ever run. Um, like the <laughs> most narrative um, focused because I thought that like narrative would play better, honestly, on, on the podcast. I thought people are going to update the story more. But the right. story is harder for me. The story, writing a story was much, much harder. And like writing dialogue and all that is harder for me than writing mechanics. Um, I think, so I agree with you entirely, Stephen. We, we've just scratched the surface of, of Starfinder. Um, there are things in the game like that I, that I found that I really liked. And then there are things that I, I either ignored or didn't like, or we made impromptu house changes. So um, I could rattle off a couple of those real quick. Yeah, sure. Go uh, ahead. I love Starship Combat. I thought Starship Combat was pretty cool. Yeah. I really liked that, too. Yeah. And uh, um, I feel like I said this before, but Starship Combat really is like an oddity when it comes to like Pathfinder subsystems. And that it doesn't come with a lot of extra baggage, like different skills and feasts to take on top of the normal ones you take anyways. It all just integrates with the skills that already yeah. exist. Yeah. Unlike awesome. unlike a lot of other uh, games that I've seen, it, it neither feels like an afterthought, nor does it feel like, yeah, like you need to basically build your character for it. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, how- I, I compare it to like this Spelljammer rules that came up for like ship to ship combat, and they're just like, eh, we don't really care about that. <laughs> it was just yeah. a very funny comparison. I feel like a lot of times when we get into a new system, my first thought is, oh dear God, this is complicated. But there's also a feeling in, you know, this game, at least in Starfinder, that things were complicated for a reason. Things were complicated to either set a tone or support you know, the game or the story that was being told, it wasn't necessarily something like, uh, Rodrigo will tell you, I had the biggest problem trying to figure out why, as a level 10 fighter, I had spells uh, when we were playing 4th edition. And finally just had to be like, they're not spells, they're your signature moves. And I'm like, oh, like SmackDown. And he's like, yeah, SmackDown versus Raw. So (laughs) (laughs) you you don't... You don't you don't ever do two well sometimes you People do but you them. never do two six one nines in one exactly it's tough. one fight yeah um so that was my probably my single favorite thing about Starfinder um things I uh, I guess I also like how there's stamina and you can spend a re- it, it made healing a little less necessary yeah um, less yeah. urgent. Uh, yeah, because you can just spend a resolve and recover, and it's like you have so much resolve. I guess maybe the game's designed if like you want to have like four encounters, five encounters in the day that are each bleeding you of a little bit of resolve. But like that's just not the kind of game I run. Yeah. So, but it, it uh, but I'm also okay with that. It just made it a little less, a little less scary. Um, I did not like combat maneuvers. The idea that you have to hit your KAC plus eight. So let's yeah. let's let's run the math here. If you're hitting someone on a nine, 
okay, against their regular armor class. That means you've got a 60% chance of hitting them. That seems like a perfectly reasonable attack action. Okay, sure. so if you want to take the thing that they're holding out of their hand, because, you know, it, oh, they're going to blow up the ship. Let me grab the detonator. Mm-hmm. Um, that, because you have to target their KAC plus eight, instead of hitting on a nine, you're hitting on a 17. So instead of having a 60% chance of hit, hitting, you have a 20% chance, because that plus eight difficulty is 40% swing. Now that action is, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, people can take it, but it is what I call bad. It's a bad yeah. action because it's so it's so unlikely to succeed that like you know you're basically doing nothing and yeah. um uh, yeah I don't I don't care for that. Yeah, you no, absolutely have to build characters okay. to trip or whatever and then hope you don't fight something without legs. Yeah, <laughs> it, the the game really um there's so uh, Starfinder is based on Pathfinder, and Pathfinder is based on Dungeons and Dragons Third Edition, and it carries certain things with it. Just I think by because not a lot of uh, of of thought was necessarily put into it, or if there was, because they agreed. And one of them is we don't want you to do this. Like we don't want you to be constantly dis- disarming enemies and tripping them and pushing them and all this stuff. So it's going to be hard to do that, and you have to gear your character up to do that. And still, that geared-up character at low levels is going to fail at that a lot. Um, I, I it, like there are there are few things there are few things as much as like these combat maneuvers where I look at it and I'm like, oh, the game doesn't want me to do this. Um, yeah. I one of my one of the uh, spells that I have. It's like a cone of energy that deals a little bit of damage, and then it's like, oh, and you can push them. And I was like, oh, so if they fail the save, I can push them? No. If they fail the save, they take damage, and then I can initiate a bull rush, a bull rush maneuver, um, substituting in my brains instead of like you know my strength or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, I I still took it because I got more spells than I needed anyway. But I was like, I tried to do it. Once I think it kind of worked, but I'm like, man, just it's too much work. Like the game doesn't actually want me to do this. <laughs> um, I, I want to go on a little bit of a rant about that too. I think you're absolutely right, Rodrigo, <laughs> because coming out of the three oh three five Pathfinder world, you know th- there are, there are trip disarm builds and attacks of opportunity and yada yada yada. And like I've played in games where that was a major feature, but I also understand criticism of them it, it, it can get oppressed but like let's be real here there are other games there are other systems there are other ways of doing it. like if you look at dungeons and dragons fight if you want to grapple somebody make an athletics check they oppose it with an athletics or acrobatics check and then they're immobilized because you're basically holding them it's not that complicated you know like and it's and it's also not that oppressive like yeah. If you if you limit how bad things are, like if prone doesn't give you advantage right, or right. you know a huge bonus to hit, then you can knock somebody prone and it's more cinematic, um, as opposed to being like this tweaked out optimization build, which I think you're absolutely right, Rodrigo, is what they were trying to disincentivize. Whereas what they should have done then like, hey, it's like I don't know, in game design theory in my mind, what you want to do is say, what's a cool scene? that like right. happens in a movie or you could imagine in a show. And then what are the rules necessary to make up, to let a player do that quickly and easily? Yeah. And I don't think combat maneuvers. Work. 
but that's a rant. Nope. You're you're really much better off just incorporating sort of combat maneuvers into the narration and then not bothering with them at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rob was was uh, Starfinder uh, crunchy enough for you? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's uh a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh I have like we were talking before we sat down for tonight's session. I have like 20 some tabs open for various things. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I was able to know exactly what a uh, Herman could do is because I still had the crate fiend, crate fiend tab mm-hmm. open and available in case he became necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, no, I would happily play more Starfinder. I really liked the uh, the rule you added in, which I feel like is very well supported by, um, say, like the first mate action of being able to spend resolve in order to uh, take skill actions. Yeah, because there's not that much to do with resolve yet. Exactly. I mean, I, seriously, I looked, I looked for things to do with resolve because I'm like, we get this huge pool of resolve, and I'm a chode. I want, <laughs> like, I want to get. <laughs> Like, like they're just keep pouring resolve into my cup. I wanted something to to spend it on, and the only thing that I could really spend it on, other than healing, was something that came with the, um, with the subclass that I happened to pick. Um, so yeah, definitely another thing is like give more to do with resolve. I mean, unless unless I miss something. Uh, I had Club a couple skills, of class abilities I... that were resolve based. Yeah. I love skills, and I want to encourage them. If I could go back in time and start the game over, I would incorporate that resolve rule as a core rule of the game. Just because yeah, I like and, skills so much. Well, well, and it it again opens up that thing where, like, when you have alternative goals in an encounter, to simply like keep throwing punches until something stops moving. Um, that rule, that ability to also use your to attack and use a skill, um, is is a lot stronger, um, and it's a lot more interesting, and allows you to do a lot of things. You know, it's why in fourth edition they were like, "Well, like we want to heal, we want to fight. Let's just let healers like heal fight, right? Let's just let them use attacks, and then those attacks also heal their friends." Like, there's no reason to have to choose one or the other. There's no reason to have to choose between doing a cool skill action and also getting off a cool shot with your new cool shot class feature. What'd you guys think of your classes? Soldier is so good. No regrets ever. <laughs> I, I don't really have any regrets on, on mine, but I think when I went in, I was like, okay, if I'm going to be a pilot, then I need to know this, this, and this. And... There were other things that I'm like, I will never need to know how to do this. And I kind of wish that I had put some points into some of my other skills. Like I had medicine. So, it, you know, if, if Amu, um, you know, was out, I always had a medicine backup that I could do first aid on people that I never used. And I, I don't, I don't have my character sheet in front. Well, I do here because I always print it out. Um, medicine was 13 of, of all my skill points. So it was like, what was like my, my second highest, or I'm uh, sorry, my third highest uh, uh, skill outside of computers and, and piloting uh, that I should have used, but I never did. So uh, yeah. I, I felt at times like I uh, fine-tuned or honed my character into a corner. Mm. 
Mm, uh, specialization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, well, if this is a race, I want to be the pilot. I want to be the best damn pilot out there. So let's put as much I, as I, I can into everything like, piloting I, and computers. I, uh, you had a solid advantage in your piloting checks over everybody mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. the best Sheeran pilot on Team SPF. Man. Curse them Sheerans. Um, <laughs> I like to think in my head canon, like they honorary one but they they were also nice guys i appreciate yeah, you yeah. guys not attacking them because like yeah what what are you gonna do um but uh, your your pilot check was like the highest in the whole game oh yeah I, yeah I, and but but at times it just felt like it was like the highest check in the whole game <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no but so so i guess what i'm saying is most of the skills that i would do are i mean so you can look at this as Okay, did I max out my character so that it'd be to the maximum advantage so that when it came to a piloting, the chances of me rolling bad on piloting were slim. And there were a few times where I did roll bad. Um, but on average, my piloting was almost a guarantee. Yeah. Um, but, it t- but I feel like at times that also took some of the fun away from my roles because it's like, ah, oh, crap, we've got to make this, uh, we got to make this jump. Am I going to be able to do it? Uh, you know, let's see how the roll goes. And because you kind of knew that it was always going to most of the time, you knew it was going to be successful. And so I think for me, I, right. I kind of I kind of uh, played myself in uh, taking some of the fun out of my character just because I knew that, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't critical. Uh, no, it, it wasn't that, it, you know, again, it goes back to that I was more than likely to make it than fail it. And so it was yeah, almost exactly. like an easy it was almost like an easy guarantee. So there was no suspense. There was no tension. And, and yes, I loved it every time we needed to use it. And I had the highest score. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, well, I kind of knew I was going to get that. So I guess I don't have really anything else to do for my turn. Right. Yeah. Does that make Sometimes, sense? Yeah. You over-specialize and you're like, this yeah. is going to be great and I'm going to be good at it. And then you're like, this isn't as much fun as I thought. Yeah. So yeah. now I, spent, I, I have I to spent 10 years at trade. Right I there. spent 10 years at trade school only to learn that I hate woodworking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I, I have a, I have a complicated relationship with spellcasters in third edition type situations. Uh, I do not like to make in, in, in systems where combat is a thing. I, the worst thing for me is making a useless character. Uh, Mm. so I tend to make characters that are very good at what they're supposed to be doing. And I have enough system knowledge to do that. Um, as you know, as you can see from like, uh, Chema back in, uh, weird Western Chema was very good at spending a few turns charging up and then delivering Mm -hmm. buckets of damage. Uh, Hecubino doesn't even need to charge up, but also he's not as good at a lot of other things. Um, so yeah, it's like that's one thing that I identified. I was like, what is magic and Pathfinder good at? And it's it's weird. Or in Starfinder, it's weird. There's some things, but the thing that it's best at is dealing damage. Mm-hmm. Um so I was just like, okay, so I always have this in my pocket that I'm probably going to be dealing, you know, close to the most damage, um, possibly tied with, you know, whoever plays the rogue version in this system. <laughs> um so uh the characters were fine. It's nice that they like the subclasses. There's like, hey, here's this subclass that's very much written out to be evil, where you like crush people's minds. And I'll be like, Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'll do that. <laughs> but I'll 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 play the nicest version of this possible. 
what did everybody else? Uh, 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 Brian, Matthew, did you guys enjoy Starfinder? Yeah, it was your classes. Yeah, yeah, your classes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty great being fairly uh, effective, uh, at least when it comes to skill check. Operative is so good. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit too good, almost. <laughs> I think I'm not like maybe the worst operative in the world. I, I mean, I think uh, honestly, um, you're an envoy, you at, not an operative. Uh, yeah, you're an envoy. Right. See, yeah, well, but but when you look at classes <laughs> like uh, Envoy and is it Engineer, whatever Bob was, mechanic, um, mechanic mm-hmm. like I, I I think that those classes leave you floating a little bit more, mm-hmm. especially when you compare them to classes like let's face it, Fighter and Rogue that have been tested over the course of fifteen iterations of this game. Yeah, um, is that's like Soldier is good, Operative is good, is like. Listener, if you want to walk into a game of Starfinder and be immediately effective without having to do a lot of like gymnastics, unless you make a gymnastics operative, soldier, um, mystic, operative, all yeah. of those yep. are very solid. subject. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you're, bad. You're... I, I tend to always play like fighter or rogue because they're just so good. It's just it's hard to it's hard <laughs> to argue with them. And I'd like to play the weird esoteric character, but I mean, I'm not saying I forgot I had powers for about uh, <laughs> two, or, two or three levels. I'm just saying that uh, I didn't use them. And so, you know, it came to a point where I'm like, I could use this awesome, cool power. And then I realized, no, I can't. So I just sort wow. of threw my hands up and I was I, just like, I think, cool stuff. I don't know. I, it was just from reading it because mm-hmm. I, I haven't played one, but I've always felt that Envoy is underpowered. Or that it's underpowered it's for like the first like five levels, and it's then like once bad... it starts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once I, it, I, I think, I, I think on like, so here's here's how I tried to adjust for the fact that, in my opinion, I, I agree with you. Uh, three of you were playing more mechanically powerful classes, and three of you were playing like classes that are more uniquely Starfinder. Mechanic, Envoy, and Biohacker, I all thought were mechanically weaker than the other three. Mm-hmm. But when I love skills and I'm always going to encourage skills. So if skills are a good thing you can do, all three of those classes are good at their respective skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it think, helps uh, a lot. What do you think, Rob? Uh, I had I think the biohacker was fine with uh standing with the other three uh i put the whole self-limiting thing going on with uh amu doing you know having the hippocratic oath and everything otherwise there was like all sorts of nonsense that i could have been doing to uh like make uh combat uh more way more miserable for our enemies (laughs) and possibly for kevin yeah uh, Absolutely for Kevin. Here, here's a here's a nitpicky thing that I don't like about Starfinder, and I think it's because it's it's um, a thing that Paizo does. I hate that there's space goblins. <laughs> I know we never. I know we never. I just it just feels like, oh yeah, now we're going to create an RPG system that's set in space. But you know what we're going to do is bring over the uh, the goblins from the from the fantasy side and put them in space too. But just something about that. Well, and I know everything about the fantasy so, here, side. Here, yeah. I know, I know, but the same world, yeah. Specifically with the goblins, though, just 
and, and so it is a Paizo thing because then Paizo's iconic creatures. Yeah, yeah, yes. and that's that's the thing that I was just a little annoyed at. This like, also, oh. would you deny us the snot rocket or muty, which was oh, I feel like the moment in which no, point no. Matthew realized what he was in for with Kevin? Yeah, no, that I mean it's fine as <laughs> it, it plays out, but it's just like. When I first uh, started reading through the Starfinder system and I saw Space Goblins, I just I rolled and I was like, okay, well, it is Paizo, and they do put that in every single one of their games, but it was still kind of like, eh. I was strongly tempted. Goblin. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I'm a little upset I didn't pitch a Goblin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was strongly considering it. Yeah. Like, I was, I, I thought, I definitely thought about the fantasy races, but then I was like, oh, nobody's paid, like, nobody's talking about making a human. So there has to be at least one person who's not wearing makeup or prosthetics. One human guy. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, that, uh, the muty situation. almost constantly wearing makeup, though. That's true. Yes, but only to highlight <laughs> his eyes. <laughs> I feel like muty was the point where I can't remember if we were still in the is Quentin or isn't Quentin a quizzling set but that's the point where i honestly thought for a minute that i could totally be evil in this game because the that muty thing where you know muty was like you are a friend and then quentin literally got him killed on purpose i'm like oh yeah i could totally be a jerk but then it didn't really work thematically you know so i'm just no. like oh it, it, it was really happy with that part of no. what's that not being evil or being evil no, how you approach the whole thing. Um, how, well, no, I put you in a weird position um, mm-hmm. as a corporate agent. Like, seriously, relative to the other five people, I, I know that in a lot of situations, uh, um, you know, if you put a, a, a random person in a position where they can betray the party, I have literally seen that end games. And yeah. Yeah. you you got what I was laying down. So you able to like play a little bit on the line but this was okay with you playing it on the line for a bit but you quickly determined it's like well i could have all these people who are awesome and my friends or these mm-hmm. people who don't care about me at all these people um, so. <laughs> well yeah no, i, I mean, appreciate it, your handling of it i'm not by any me i am not the guy who understands uh the game systems but I'll tell you one thing. I was raised by a 22-inch Magnavox television. I understand <laughs> the dramatic moments. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I do. That's why I'm still on the show. Yeah, yeah honestly, you know, you you asked like you asked how I could have done that for 10 years and and that's the real reason is actually that um this crew is very genre savvy and also very aware of like narrative beats and archetypes and things like that so that makes telling a story a lot easier like anytime i'd be like okay i like i know we're sort of heading this direction but we're going to maybe move in this direction instead everybody tends to jump and um and yeah just be like okay where does this framework put my character now i'll do this Mm -hmm. and and really move about it very sort of very intelligently within sort of like that landscape uh kevin you did a fantastic job with this game loved it a lot uh feedback from audiences they seem to love it as well uh you and sam will not be joining us uh in future episodes of critical hit i know i've mentioned it casually uh here and there uh in bits and pieces of critical hit and i know that sam has 
talked about it on Twitter, but uh, would you guys care to just talk a little bit about uh, your next big adventure that you're going on? We're moving to Amsterdam. Woohoo! Wow. Tired of the bad drugs in America. They want to get the good drugs. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> what? It's true. We actually have all the good drugs here in, in Chicago. So it's it's mostly just we uh, <laughs> Kevin had a really cool job opportunity and we have the chance to go explore Europe. Which I think is a fantastic time and I think uh hope that you guys are works out great for you guys. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's we're a really fantastic, fantastic time. Yeah. So literally listeners, by the time you hear this episode, they're already in Amsterdam. That's uh, true. they are at the time of this recording. Uh, they have about a week and a half before they, they take off. So, uh, yeah, we were pushing the end of this campaign to the wire. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was getting kind of nervous. I was getting kind of yeah. nervous on the back end, but, uh, I think this is a fantastic opportunity and I'm glad that you, uh, decided to take it, Kevin. Thanks. Yeah, we're really excited. I'm really excited. It'll be it's scary. It's fun. Uh, you know, we'll tell you guys about it when we get there. Um, yeah, I will say, you know, I'm 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 certainly not planning on uh, you know, you've got other critical hit games scheduled and stuff like that. But um, uh, I won't say never again if you need like three. Are you gonna are you gonna be up? Are you gonna be up for a three a.m. Uh, uh, call? You know. Who knows? We'll work that out later. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. this was a blast, Stephen. I, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what I was signing up for. I mean, I kind of knew because Sam had been doing it for a while, but um, I, I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as much fun as it was. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I want to be sappy too, <laughs> and thank you all for all your time with me in the in the Void Saga and Weird Western and and obviously Drifters and Sentinels and and all the other games. Um, you know, when when I hadn't spoken to Rodrigo since he graduated from college, and so and he was like, "Hey, you want to want to play some Fourth Ed?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds fun." And uh, it's been. I don't know, I think seven years now, something like that. Mm. So, which is wild to, to think back of. So I, I thank you guys all so, so much for, for welcoming me and welcoming Kevin and, and letting, you know, letting me play and letting both of us run. And, uh, and, and then also wanted to just thank all the listeners for being so, so nice. Yeah. Well, you oh. will be missed and Kevin, you will be missed uh, very much. So thank you for all the hours and months and years of entertainment that you have provided us. Uh, I know people are always asking, ah, uh, is Kevin online somewhere? And the answer is no, because Kevin's smart. Yeah, I was going to say, but critical if hit you Discord. head over to the major, major spoilers, spoilers Discord uh, in the Critical Hit channel, uh, Kevin will show up and uh, answer questions and chat with people, too. So uh, do uh, head over there and take advantage of that. Uh, just realized that there is a time uh, shift, but I also realized that, you know, a lot of our super active spoilerites are in Germany and yeah, Norway actually, and Sweden. We're kind of big in Europe, so yeah. you guys nice. might actually run into spoilerites over there. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So, well, Germo and Lagnus. Want to, you know, I don't, give me advice, both of us advice on where we should go and eat and drink. I would love to hear it. Yeah, and if we have any specific, if we have any specific Amsterdam uh, spoilerites out there listening, uh, do reach out to uh, to Sam. Uh, uh, Sam, what's your Twitter so people can reach out to you? Because I'm, I'm sure you're still going to Samantha Nelson right. one. Yeah, 
Yes. So I'm sure you're going to keep that. And if you want to reach out to Kevin, get into our discord into critical hit and uh, he's, he's hanging around there occasionally. So uh, go and check that out. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck. You guys are fantastic. Um, you're going to go far and do great things and uh, sad to see you both go. And dear listeners, we are sad to see you go uh, this week. But we've got new adventures just around the corner. How's it going to turn out? I have no idea. Unless, of course, you've been listening to the GM Roundtable these last couple of weeks and you know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in the players. You definitely, definitely. That's the whole point. And mm. I think that that is, I, I think that's going to be something interesting and new because, you know, we've uh, done, um, what was that first time that I GM'd a game, Rodrigo? What do we call that? Uh, game uh, Master's Workshop. The Game Master's Workshop. We did that. And uh, that was kind of this unique look at what it takes to build this. And then, of course, we've had the GM Roundtable for a couple of years for our for our patrons, where it's a show that we talk about. Here are challenges that that GMs face and how to overcome them. Now you actually are going to hear me build the game uh, week to week, uh, soliciting feedback from Dr. Brad Will, uh, getting some insight, talking about challenges, talking about problems from previous uh, episodes. And then building the next thing. So it's if for those of you who want a true behind the scenes look at, you know, what goes on inside the GM's mind as they are building it. Or if you just want to see a disaster in the making, uh, definitely check out the uh, the, G- the GM roundtable over there on the uh, Major Spoilers Patreon page. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited to see how this uh, how this comes out. So for all of us here at Major Spoilers and all of us here around the virtual table at Critical Hit. Thank you so much for checking us out. We will see you again very soon. And until then, here's hoping all of your dice rolls are critical hits. This podcast is copyright 2023 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.